0: Hey, good morning. Uh, My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here, and we've actually been in the sermon series as we lead towards Easter next week, which is, again, a a wonderful day to celebrate what we believe as Christians, that Jesus, who is a real person, actually lived and died and resurrected from the grave, and this is what we kind of are moving towards. And uh, we've actually been exploring, though, who is this Jesus person, and specifically, what are the things that Jesus had to say about himself? So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how there's all these images that he would use about who he is. For instance, he says, I am the bread of life, talking about being our daily sustenance, He talks about being, I am the light of the world uh, against darkness that exists in the world around us. He talks about being the shepherd and the gate as someone who wants to be a shepherd to you and to me and to his people. And last week, we talked about how he actually equates himself with God himself when he basically says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Such an audacious claim for Jesus to be making about himself. And so what's so extraordinary is Jesus is making these claims, right? He's speaking these metaphors. Then last week, we talked about how he speaks in this very specific way about being the way, the truth, and the life. He's basically equating himself with the divine God. So if you can imagine this, okay, this is what Jesus is doing. Now we come to this passage in John chapter 14, that was just read for us, where Jesus begins this other statement, this I am statement of who he is. Check out what he says about himself. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He's talking about the relationship between God the father and God the son here, right? And he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, he says this word remain. Can I hear you say remain? Remain. Yeah, the Greek word meno, which can also mean abide. So it's kind of this relational, kind of this tethering, like remain, be connected. Now notice, as I continue to read, how often this word remain will appear. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. There it is again. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now what's interesting is the passage actually goes on, it continues on. And that word remain or meno is used again and again and again. Uh, And it's this, again, this relational word of remaining connected to the divine. So now here's basically what God is offering, right? What Jesus himself is saying. He's basically saying like, listen, I've been making all these statements about who I am. The bread of life, the light of the world, the shepherd in the gate, the way, the truth, and the life. He's essentially saying, I am God. But now he's basically said, you, if you follow me, I want you to actually have this relationship with me. I want you to to know me that we talked about last week, but now I want you to remain in me, to abide, to have this living relationship with me. Now, isn't that extraordinary? Here's the thing, right? I'm someone who, like, whenever I see, like, when movie sets kind of around the city are, like, there's these trucks that have these catering companies as well as, like, these holding areas. Like, I'm always kind of ambling around. My wife doesn't like this about me. But nonetheless, like, we're just going somewhere in the city. I'm like, oh, oh, what's, what's playing there? Hey, hold on one second. Let's go over there and let's see if I can just get a glimpse of somebody. Right? Because I just want to. And I'll talk to crew people. I'll be like, what's, what's being filmed here? Like, who's here? What actors and actresses? Can we, take, can we meet anyone? You know, like, I'll ask those questions with such audacity. And Tina's always so embarrassed, and she's like, what are you doing? And it's because when I'm around, I, I just, I want to see if there's celebrities and there's people that I want to be around. And, now, here's the thing. Like, to know a celebrity, like, someone that I really admire that I would love to meet one day is LeBron James. Just think he's one of the greatest athletes of this generation. And if someone were to say to you, Drew, you can meet LeBron uh, next week, but you have to carve out your schedule and you go, have to go travel somewhere to go meet him, I will be like, I'll do that. In fact, yes, I don't even need to tell my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it'd be one of those things though, right? Where I carve out time just to meet this one human being. Now, now here's what's extraordinary. Like Jesus is basically saying, he's saying, the God of the, I'm the God of the universe. The one who created the world and everything in it the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm the vine, and I want you to remain in me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to remain tethered to me. Now, isn't that extraordinary? The God of the universe is not just some human being who's able to, that has a remarkable skill or has a mass amount of wealth. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and with me. Now, here's the thing. Some of you might be like, I'm not even a Christian. I just came because I wanted to meet some friends or whatever else it might be. But here's what I, I do believe, that if there's anyone here, you showed up today with at least this small little belief that if it were true that the God of the universe existed and he wanted a relationship with you or with me. I mean, how many of us would be like, nah, I'll pass. No, I mean, think about it. It's the God of the universe that wants to know you, not just some mere mortal, but the God of the universe. And this is what Jesus is basically saying. He's saying, remain Now, why does he say remain in me so frequently? Uh, You would think that like if if he's inviting a relationship with God, like, you know, why? Of course, people would say yes to that. Why? It's because it's so easy to not remain, to be disconnected. Um, there's this, uh, whenever we do a marriage seminar, there's like this uh, living kind of example that we usually have. We usually have a couple come up here and say, this represents a couple like in their dating relationship, right? And so in a dating relationship, it's just me and this person. When Tina and I were dating, it's just me and Tina and we get to know each other. It's fun. It's enlivening. We can't wait, right? To like just get to know each other more and hang out more and all this stuff, right? So it's, then there's engagement and then there's marriage. And then we have this thing, right? So if you can imagine on stage, we have these two people and then we'll say, hey, can I Have some volunteers to become uh, the children of these two, this couple here. You know, so people will will say, okay, we'll we'll have two kids come up, right? And so people come up, and I'll be like, there's two kids now in the picture, and the kids will start to basically, you know, like, hey, mom, dad, right? And now what happens then is like, all of a sudden, it's just the two of us, and then we're like, hey, um, anyone who's been engaged before. Um, you know that that's usually the time when, when in-laws start getting involved, right? Any in-laws wanna come and join the circle here or join the party and some, some people will come up here and then they'll act like the in-laws. And now all of a sudden, the, the stage is a little bit more crowded. Then we'll basically say, anyway, and these guys are probably working as well. Maybe we can have some employers and employees and colleagues come out. Yeah, so why don't you join the stage as well? So now all of a sudden, there's people vying for this the attention. And then we'll say, Any, anyone wanna like serve as like pets? Because you know, every happy couple needs to have some pets. So, like, let's have any dogs and cats. Come on up here. And, and like, all of a sudden, the stage is absolutely full. And now, all of a sudden, like, this one relationship, I've made these vows to my wife. Till death do us part, you will be the most important person to me. But what ends up happening, right, In, in a life where this was supposed to be the main thing, it's so easy to get distracted. And so it's very common for married couples once empty nest comes, it's almost like we need to rehabilitate our relationship because we don't know how to love one another anymore because so much of it was circled around the children. And in the same way with God, Like, here's what Jesus is basically saying. Like, it's so easy to lose this connectivity. It's so easy to lose this relationship. And this is why he continually, why why does it show up so often? He's saying, remain in me, abide in me. If you remain in me, please remain in me. Abide in me. Let's stay connected in this relationship. Why? It's because it's so easy to be disconnected, to be fragmented, and to be untethered to God. I mean, isn't it true, right? There's, there's two ways that we get disconnected. There's conscious disconnection, then there's unconscious disconnection, right? The conscious disconnection is basically like, actually, God, I'd really rather not be in a relationship with you. I, I mean, some people, and I know that this has been true for me at different moments of my life, where Jesus is in, wants to have this relationship with me, and I'm like, actually, not right now. I'm too busy doing my own thing or having fun, and like, there's a, it's a conscious decision that I make. But here's what I I would dare to say. I believe the reason why you're sitting in this room right now is because there's at least a small part of you that when the invitation for you to to connect to the divine God, like there's at least a small part that's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. All right, whatever that might look like, I get to meet God. But the reality is, instead of this conscious disconnection, what happens is there's all sorts of unconscious disconnection that happens. Because we get busy. We get, there's all sorts of things that are also vying for our attention. And just that same image of a couple that's made this commitment to one another, there's all sorts of things that are vying for your attention and for mine. There's social media, there's the media, there's your in laws that was kind of weird. I just equated in-laws, social media, media, right? Like there's all there, but you, you know what I'm talking about. There's the ambitions of your company, of your colleagues, of your friends. There's the measuring up that we do against one another. And so sooner or later, I mean, it doesn't take very long, but all of a sudden I'm spending more time thinking about that Netflix show than I am about any kind of relationship with God. I mean, isn't that true? And it just so happens that it happens unconsciously. There's this there's this way in which so many things are basically like vying for your attention and for mine. And what ends up happening, I become so scattered that I've just lost any kind of connectivity to God. And even today in this space, right, just staying connected to what's happening right now, like how many of us are just, like it's so hard to even stay engaged right now. Now, now here's the thing, right? This unconscious disconnection, this has been said by various different authors it's been said that the devil, if he can't make you bad, he will make you busy. I mean, isn't that true? And it, the thing about New York is that New York, we wear busyness like a badge of courage, right? Like, yeah, you know, there's, there's like this, if people ask you, like, oh, how are you doing? You're like, I'm busy. And they're like, wow, you're so amazing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But there's a perception somehow that if I respond by saying I'm busy, then there's this perception that somehow like, I'm somebody, I'm worthwhile, that's right, I'm a true New Yorker. I mean, isn't that the case? Um, Here's what Mother Teresa says about what she noticed about big cities like New York and London. She says, we must take the time to be silent and to contemplate, especially those who live in big cities like London and New York, where everything moves so fast. I mean, isn't that true? Like, for us to finally still ourselves, like, it's so difficult, especially in a town like this, where a town like this, so much of it is about achievement and what you've done and how much money you make. It's so easy with all the noise around us. We get so distracted by what our coworker is doing, by the Oscars. Hello, somebody, right? Anyone? Anyone who's just me, maybe? Uh... It's so easy to get distracted. And what ends up happening is we lose this tethering. And this is why Jesus is basically making this exhortation. He's saying, remain in me. Will you remain connected? And it's crazy to think, though, because we would do anything to carve out our schedule for someone important. And here God is, the God of the universe. He says, remain in me. Abide in me. You know, to give some images that I thought really, like, aptly describe our culture today. There are these photos, and maybe you've seen this on the internet. There are these photos that are taken of people, but, uh, and they're looking at their devices. Now, here's the thing, when they, but they Photoshopped out the devices as these people are kind of living life. And so I thought we'd, I'd show some, vi- some photos for you right now. So here's a photo. It's a little bit harder to see because it's black and white, but, like, it's a couple that's just married, and, of course, they're looking at their devices, disconnected from each other. Here's another photo, family, um, at the table, a place that hopefully is full of community and laughter and food and stories, and yet here we are uh, preoccupied on our iPads and iPhones and whatever else. Here's another photo of a couple, yeah, just ignoring one another, just staring at their phones, disconnected from one another. Here's another photo of a mom uh, with her daughter spending quality time on their devices. There it is. Right. Here's another photo. Oh, whoa! Who's that guy? Ah, uh, oh, whoa! That guy on the right. And who's that kid on the left? <laughs> Tina actually took that photo eight years ago for this sermon right here. She. Uh, she knew it's going to be a sermon illustration one day. It's so easy, isn't it, to just live lives disconnected and apart and distracted. And the, way, and the reason why Jesus keeps saying, remain, will you abide? It's because he's inviting us to stay connected to the God of the universe. But so many of my fears and my anxieties, really, they come to me when my focus begins to get scattered as well. And I get so lost and wondering where God is. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. And it's a story of Jacob uh, who had betrayed his brother. And he's actually on the run. He ends up in this place. And uh, as he falls asleep in this place, he ends up having this incredible dream of God revealing himself and his future to himself. And what's so amazing, so Jacob, he's on the run, but he goes and he falls asleep. And when, after he falls asleep, he wakes up. And because he knows that God has spoken to him in this dream, check out what he says immediately when this dream is finished. And Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. And he says this because... He just had this dream, like his attention had anything to do with anything except God. He was just thinking about all sorts of other things. Who knew what was preoccupying his mind, that God had to come to him in this dream. And so he's like, surely God was in this place and I was not aware of it. You know, here's an interesting thing that Christians can say sometimes. If you're not a Christian, I'm going to kind of clue you in on what Christians can say. It's a little subculture thing. Sorry if it doesn't make sense very much. But Christians can sometimes say things like this. They'll say things like, "Like, oh, my goodness, we all started to pray together. And then God showed up. Has so anyone ever heard that before? Like, oh, my goodness, like, it's amazing. Like, we just came together. Sunday we started singing songs. and God showed up. Maybe it wasn't God who needed to show up, though. Maybe, maybe God was always in this place. We just weren't aware of it. See, the problem is not God's presence. The problem is often our awareness. Because we're too distracted. So many things going on in my life and yours the last thing to get my attention is god you know in our discipleship path we talk about in emotionality spirituality we talk about crafting a rule of life and a rule of life is this intentional plan to make jesus the center of everything that we do we've got these th- four different areas prayer rest relationships and work and one of the areas that we talk about is just staying rooted and tethered and we offer like lists like this Uh, And it's a, a list of prayer, scripture, community, worship, communion, silence, and Sabbath keeping. Now, one of the reasons why we list this, and here's the thing, right? It's so easy for religious communities to simply make this ritualistic, like, just do this, or legalistic. Like, just do this, and then you will please God. But don't you understand the reason why we do this, hopefully in its most redemptive way, the reason why we say these things is because... There's a bunch of noise in the city that's contending for your mind and your heart and mine. And the question is, what are the things that are gonna keep us tethered to God Himself? And here's what the reason why we do what we do as a church is not because we wanna build some sort of legalistic practices for you and for me. That's the last thing I want. It's so that we can offer, hopefully, together as a community that's in this journey together. A fighting chance to contend with all the other noise that's out there. Because the reality is, there are so many screens, so many ads, so many shows. The news cycle is endless. And the question is, what will keep you tethered and what will keep me tethered to this divine God? Uh, you know, Sarah has written this beautiful Holy Week uh, devotional for you with poems and reflections and scripture. And why go through the painstaking kind of process of doing that? Why are we offering it to every single person here? Is it just because we want something else to put in your hand? No, we, we, because what we believe our role is here together as a community is to be in this together because we are living in this contended space and time where the reality is so many things, so many messages are vying for your attention and for mine. And it's so easy to become disconnected that we lose the abiding, we lose the remaining, that's why these things are so important, not in a legalistic way, but an invitational way, in a way to build and cultivate a relationship together. Now, uh, Parker Palmer, he actually writes about uh, farmers in the Midwest. And one of the things that he wrote about, now, um, I'm not sure if any of you were farmers in the Midwest before, so if this is not true, then you can Blame Parker Palmer for this, but one of the stories he talks about is that there are these tremendous blizzards that come in the midst of the Midwest, and they come out of nowhere, and it's just this white-out blizzard, and one of the things he talks about is uh, these farmers, it was known that, if, for instance, they're, they're in their backyard. The barn was maybe, let's say, 25 to 30 feet or yards away, and so the barn was in the back, and so in the midst of them going out to make sure that before the storm, everything was set in the barn, they would go out, but then this whiteout blizzard would hit. And just there's, there's no uh, visual kind of um, clues as to what's out there. It's just a complete whiteout. And one of the things he writes is that some farmers were actually found to have been frozen to death just steps away from the back door of their house. And one of the reasons why was because even though they were so close to their home, the blizzard was just too blinding for them, they had no way home. So one of the things he writes is that they would sometimes tie a rope at the end of the back door, so that they just knew their way home. It was the only way they knew how to survive, especially in the midst of a whiteout blizzard. And I, I think this illustration is so emblematic of our lives today. Right? Blizzards hit us from every which way. There's illnesses. There's broken relationships. There's, like I mentioned, social media. There's all sorts of things that are happening in our lives. And isn't it true, like even today, if I were to ask you, what are the blizzards of your life? It'd be so easy to basically say, well, the blizzard is my boss or the blizzard is um, how the market is doing right now or the blizzard is um, whatever it might be in your life, the schoolwork that I still have to do, these friendships that are not working out. And as a result, what ends up happening is there's this unconscious disconnection that happens. And, I mean, hasn't this happened in your life? I know it's happened in mine, where, like, all of a sudden, I feel like I was on this one track, but a few months or a few weeks or a few days later, I found myself in a place where I'm like, wow, I ended up in this broken relationship, and it's because my attention was somehow splintered, or I ended up in this place dealing with my anxiety in an unhealthy way, because all it took was one little slight step away, and now I realize... I've been disconnected all along. It's so easy for us to get distracted, to get lost in the blizzards of life. And this is why Jesus is continually saying, remain, will you remain, will you abide? Will you tie a rope? Will you do whatever you can so that you don't get lost in the blizzard." Now, some of you might be like, hey, Drew, that seems really compelling. You've made this case for why we should stay, remain connected to God. But the reality is, honestly, even if, we, if you are making that overture, I just know that I don't want to stay connected to God. Remember that conscious kind of disconnection? Because the God, honestly, that I've learned about is a God who's demanding, who's perfectionistic, who, um, who has these unrealistic demands on me and my life. You know, some of you might be like, you're basically describing my earthly father. Like, there's no way I want to even be in a continual relationship with a God like that. You know what's interesting, though? Because Jesus, he's talking about remaining. He's talking about remaining and abiding in the vine and bearing fruit. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But see, he continues to use this word of remaining and abiding. But check out how he writes about it. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, there's that word, to remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And look at what he says this greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends i mean isn't this beautiful he basically begins to talk about remaining in this relationship with a god of love and he would later go on to talk about how he now calls us friends he was hinting he was hinting about, like he's been giving all these hints about who he is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the shepherd. In the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. And then he talks about, I am now calling you friends. And this is what a true friend does. A true friend lays down his life for his friends. Jesus himself knew about what he was gonna do for you and for me to die on a cross, to lay down his life so that you and I might know what God is like. A God who maybe you've had images of God or explanations of God or preconceptions about what this God is like. And today, what Jesus wants to reveal to you is this is what God is like. He's like a friend who lays down his life for you and for me that no matter how much you might consciously or unconsciously reject his overtures, he's the God who would still lay down his life for you and for me. And the question for you and for me is, will you surrender to this love? Will you say, yeah, Jesus, help me to remain. Help me to make my way back. There have been so many things distracting me as of late. And I want to come back to you. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come forward and I'd love for you to stand with me. You know, last week I talked about how easy it is to get cynical as a New Yorker about just the things that we do. And it's easy to get cynical even about environments like these where we just, you know, we're used to doing this kind of as a ritualistic thing. And I mean, but can you imagine just to take a step back for a moment and to realize like the God of the universe wants to speak to you and to have a relationship with you and to be there for you in the midst of your greatest triumphs and your harshest trials. saying, remain in me, abide in me. With all the distractions, with all the anxieties, with all the fears, will you remain? And what I want to invite all of us to is just in a moment, just to not let this moment pass until we have really felt like we've truly met the living God. not that we've checked off a box of religious ritual, but that today, whatever might be distracting you, whatever your blizzard might be, that today we might say, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. And I want to entrust my life to you again. I want you to be my life source. I want you to be a friend who lays down his life for me and for us. Father, as we sing this song, God, I pray that this moment would not pass until we've surrendered to you, until we've longed to be tethered to you again. Lord, there are a lot of blizzards happening in this room, and together we say we need you. We want sing together.